Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Very honored. Uh, because, let me tell you a little bit why I'm so honored to be on the stage. I remember years ago, if you were to tell me years ago that I'd be preaching on the same stage that my dad is, I'd think you're crazy. If you were to tell me that I'd be leading such a, an amazing youth ministry, I, I wouldn't believe you. You see, years ago, there was, a th- there was never a thought in my mind that I'd be serving the Lord. There was never a thought in my mind that I'd be preaching someday, that I'd be leading a ministry. And for years, I would, I would get all these words from pastors, hey, you're going to do this for God. I would get words like, hey, you're going to do this amazing thing for God. You're, you're going you're gonna to preach. You're going to do this and that. And in reality, I just kind of brushed those words off. Because I had no intention of serving the Lord. I had no intention of going all in for the Lord. And I remember God changed my life in a moment. So to be here on this platform, on the same stage that my dad preaches from, on the same stage that I said I would never preach from. You see, I don't take this lightly. I'm truly honored to be able to minister to to the best church in the world. I'm honored to be able to share what God has given me. I'm honored to be able to preach the gospel, to encourage the church, challenge the church. See, there's nothing like living your life for God. There's nothing like going all in for the call that God has on your life. You see, tonight I want to stay in this theme of going all in. And and I love it because I believe there's there's just something about going all in. There's something about going all out for something. You see, if, if you're like me, when I like something, I'm all in. If I, if, I li- if I like a certain song, I can listen to it for a thousand times and not get tired of it. You see, I, I have this, this random passion that, that some of the youth know that I just love ping pong. I, I love to play it, and believe me when I tell you, I don't let them win. I play it every Friday. I have just I just have this passion. You see, when I'm in something, I'm all in. My wife can tell you that I'm either from zero or a hundred. I, I have no middle ground. I have no in between. Let me tell you, the first day that I that I told my wife that I liked her, keep in mind that she didn't like me. She had no feelings towards me. I, I was in something that you call the brother zone, which is above the friend zone. And I remember going, I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to tell her that I like her and, and we'll see what happens. But my personality is I'm all in with something. So not only did I tell her that I had feelings for her, I told her that I loved her. I told her that I was going to marry her. I told her that she was the one for me. That was kind of her reaction right there. You see, I was all in. There was nothing that was going to stop me from going all in with Linda. You see, I remember when before we were getting married, I had to put in, I had to put in some time off for, for work. And I remember putting that time off for a week, and my boss came up to me and said, hey, what are, you, what are you taking a week off? I told him, well, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to go on my honeymoon. And when I told him that, he was just shocked. He couldn't believe that a man so young, at 20 years old, getting married, he couldn't believe that. He kept asking me, hey, are, Jacob, are, are you sure you want to get married? Are you sure you, you, you want to give in to that commitment? Are you, do you realize that when you get married, that's it? And he kept asking me, have you, have you thought about the cost? You see, whenever you make a commitment, 
whenever you make a big decision, whether like you get married or, or you make a big financial decision of, 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 of buying a car or even a house or a new, new career, whether it's a big commitment or a small commitment, it's gonna have a cost. And usually for most of the people in the world, when you make that commitment, you already know the cost. You already know what you have to do in your life, how you need to adjust your life to make this commitment work. You know what's required of you. And and most of us in this room know the cost before we make a commitment. Most of us. And so tonight I want to share with you guys something very simple. And hopefully hopefully I encourage you. Hopefully I challenge you in this room. Tonight I want to talk about the cost of going all in. Can you guys pray with me tonight? So, Father, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence, God. Lord, we pray that you would begin to move even now, God. God, that every word that I speak, Lord, that they would hear your voice and not mine. Father, I pray, Lord, every focus, Lord, every eye, every ear would be on you, Jesus. And we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. And we all said, Thank you. All right. You see, let me tell you, in order to go all in, in order to make this commitment to Christ, in order to serve him, you first have to know the price it takes to go all in. I want you to turn your Bibles in Luke to Luke chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 25 through 27 right now. It's going to be on the screen if if you're not there. It says, in Luke chapter 14, verse 25, it says, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Here we have Jesus and he's traveling and there seems to be a crowd building up around him. And as he's traveling, I can almost picture this. Jesus is walking and he kind of just, he kind of just stops and he looks around. And in that moment, I believe Jesus is realizing that there's some people in the crowd that are there for the wrong reasons. I believe he's examining every single person in the crowd and saying, okay, you're not here for me. You're here for that. You're here for this. You're here for that. You see, I can imagine that some of the people were there just for what God can give them instead of for what God can do in them. You see, in the chapters before in Luke, if, you, if, you've, if you've read Luke before, you would know that the previous chapter, Jesus heals a woman with the issue of blood. He raises a girl back from the dead. He's done all these amazing miracles, and here Jesus is traveling, and he has this crowd building up behind him. And he looks at them, and he's checking everyone out. And he just tells them, unless you're willing to hate your father and your mother compared to me, then you're not willing to be my disciple. Unless you're willing to put me first amongst everything in your life, then you can't follow me. You see, Jesus wasn't trying to push people away. He wasn't trying to be mean. He wasn't trying to be uh, rude to them. He was telling them, before you start following me, let me tell you what it's going to cost. You see, the cost of going all in is this. Jesus has to be first in your life. You see, everything else in your life, everything you love will have to come second to Jesus. Doesn't matter if it's your family, doesn't matter if it's your wife, your kids, your career, your friends. 
if Jesus isn't first, if you can't do that, then you can't be his disciple. I can imagine that was hard for the crowd to hear. These people are following Jesus and Jesus says, well, you have to hate your mother and father over me, then you can't be my disciple. See, the thing about Jesus is when Jesus was talking to the crowd, he didn't ask them if it was okay to be first in their life. He didn't say, okay, guys, let, let, let me ask you, is it okay if I'm first in your life? Do you think it's okay that I'm your top priority? Do you think it's okay? How, how does that sound for you guys? Jesus didn't give them an option. He demanded to be first in their life. You see, tonight I believe Jesus is here and he's looking at this crowd and he's examining each and every one of you. And he's looking at you. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at the reasons why you're here. And he's saying, the cost, the cost to serve me, I demand to be first in your life. If you want to live a life that follows him, then he demands to be first. See, the problem with that is some of us are just too selfish. Some of us are just so engulfed with our life. We're so in love with our life that we're not willing to give it up for him. We live for ourselves. We live for our commitments as opposed to living a life that's committed to him. We become so busy with the functions of life, so busy that we often forget to put them first. You see, coming to church now becomes just some second thing that we do. Oh, we have a birthday on Sunday. Okay, we'll go there. Oh, we, our child's playing uh, baseball or football on Sunday. Okay, we'll go there. Gee, uh, God isn't a priority in our lives right now. It's only for a short time. And little by little, we lose our devotion, we lose our prayer, we lose our worship, and it's become more about you than the call of God. You see, we often put God on the sidelines and we only bring him out when life gets hard. When something bad happens in our life, a, a trial comes your way, God, I, I need you to come out. God, I need you, my, my friend is about to die, I need you to heal him, Lord. God, my family's falling apart. I, I need you to get involved in this. God, I need a better job. God, I lost my job and I need a job. I need you to do something, God. And God is faithful to you, so he comes and he, and he helps you. But what happens? What happens when we get through the trial? What happens when we get back on our feet? We go back to our own priorities. We go back to our own life. We go back to our own commitments and we forget about Jesus yet again. You see, instead of putting Jesus first, we've placed our own idols before Jesus. Anything that is in front of Jesus, anything uh, that is before Jesus is an idol in our life. It's very simple. If you place anything, whether it's your family, your career, your life in front of Jesus, it's an idol. And because he's not first in your life, it'll start to make your heart dark and it'll start to make your heart full of wickedness. Let me read this to you in Romans chapter one, verse 21. It says this, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in, the, in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. See, tonight I believe some of us have lost our respect and our honor towards the King of Kings. We've lost our reverence towards Jesus. We've placed idols before Jesus. But let me tell you, idolatry just doesn't happen. Idolatry begins when you reject what you know about God and you start to believe in your own lies. So instead of looking to Jesus as the creator, instead of looking to Jesus as the sustainer, instead of looking to Jesus as the redeemer, we only look to ourselves now. And instead of worshiping God himself, we worship the things that God created. And when you reject Jesus as a priority in your life, You'll start to make up your own ideas of what a God should be and what a God should do. Then before you know it, you'll give in to your sin. You'll give in to your temptations. You'll give in to your desires. And in the end, you'll end up hating God and encouraging others to do so. The moment you begin to put anything before God is the moment you begin to lose your reverence. And in the end, when you lose your reverence, your heart will then become polluted with sin. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus is very clear. The cost of going all in is Jesus demands to be first in your life. But not only does Jesus demand to be first in your life, he raises the bar even higher. He says... Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. You see, at that time, although this was before Jesus was going to be on the cross, the people that Jesus was speaking to were well aware of what it meant to carry one's cross. You see, when the Romans led a criminal to his execution, exe, execution site, he was forced to carry the cross on which he would be crucified on. This showed everyone their submission to Rome and warned anyone else that this is the price that you're going to have to pay. And Jesus is there and he's telling these people. And he's telling this crowd and he's making this statement to get them to think about what it really takes to follow Jesus. He made sure to let them know that if you're just following me for fun, if you're just following me because your friends are following me, if you're just following me because you feel good when you're here, because you get butterflies in your stomach during worship, let me tell you what it really costs to serve me. Jesus was saying, if you come with me, you're gonna have to carry your cross. If you come with me, you're gonna have to deny your own life. Are you sure you wanna come with me? Jesus is saying, there's a chance that you might walk out these doors and you're gonna be persecuted. There's a chance that you're gonna be persecuted. There's a chance that you're gonna be uh, imprisoned. There's a chance that you're gonna be spit on. There's a chance that you're gonna be beaten. Are you still sure you wanna come with me? There's a chance that you may never see your family again. There's a chance that your family may not even wanna see you again. Are you sure you wanna come with me? Jesus is saying your life is not going to be easy. In fact, you're going to, you're going to have tri trials of many kinds. Let me, let, me, let me make sure. Are you sure, still sure you want to come with me? He goes, because unless you're not willing to do that, you're not fit to be my disciple. 
Jesus then goes on to give them another example to make sure that, that he knows what they're talking about. In Luke chapter 14, verse, verse 28 through, through 33, it says, For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Verse 33, so you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. Jesus says, pretty much if you're going to construct a building, if you're going to build anything, you're first going to sit down. You're going to calculate the cost. You're going to figure out how much it's going to cost you to build. You're going to figure out the material you're going to use, all the dimensions that you're going to need to make. And then you're going to realize, okay, do I have enough money? Am I willing to spend this amount of money? Jesus goes, because if you're not sure, if you haven't counted the cost, I don't even want you starting. I don't want you to start because I don't want you to end up giving up in the end. If you're not willing to give up everything, then you're not fit to be my disciple. You see, let me, let me tell you, Jesus never told you that your life is going to be easy. He never says, well, if you're going to serve me, then your life is going to be great. You're going to feel good all the time. You're going to be in good standing with your family. Your, your marriage is going to be perfect. Your family is going to be perfect. No, he was honest and open about the price it took to be his disciple. Why are we so surprised every time Jesus asked everything for us? Jesus made sure countless times in the Bible to count the cost. See, I look at the church today and I've seen so many Christians fall away. I've seen people who get saved and they're just on fire. I see people get saved and they're on the altar jumping. They're going to outreach, they're at prayer, they're Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, connect, everything. They're on fire. But six months later, they're nowhere to be found. Why? Because they didn't count the cost. Too many of us are going all in without first counting the cost. My question is this, how many more of you will quit on God? How many more of you will complain and and walk away because you failed to count the cost? because it was too hard for you, because you felt uncomfortable, because a a leader uh, disrespected you, because you're afraid. How many more will walk away because they let fear get a hold of them? You see, fear has a way of paralyzing us, has a way of stifling us, and it creates this barrier between you and God. See, I believe some of us in this room are allowing the fear, but let me tell you, not only just fear, we're allowing the fear of failure to dictate our lives. Some of you in this room have chosen to not serve Christ because in the back of your mind, you're afraid of failing. You're afraid of letting yourself down. You're afraid of letting somebody else down. So what do you do? You choose to not go in so you wouldn't have to experience that disappointment. You choose to not go in so you wouldn't have to feel those feelings. You choose to not go all in so you wouldn't have to endure that pain, so you wouldn't have to endure that embarrassment. And we forget what the Word of God says. We forget that there's so many people in the Bible that have failed countless times. 
We forget that there's so many failures in the Bible. We forget that Reach Church is full of failures. Am I right? We forget all these things. David killed a man. Paul killed and imprisoned Christians. Jonah, Jonah ran away from the call of God. And so many other believers failed before God. But let me tell you, the reality is their story didn't stop there. All of these men who failed in the Bible got back up. They repented and they continued to serve God. They didn't wallow in their failures. They didn't use it as an excuse to never go all in for Christ again. They didn't speak death into their situation. No, they got back up again. Proverbs 24, 16, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get back up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow their wicked. The reality is that everyone in this room has weaknesses. Everyone in this room is a failure. Everyone in this room has had shortcomings, not a failure. Everyone in this room has failed. We've all have shortcomings. Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. However, the difference between the righteous and the wicked is that the righteous are not defined by their failures. They're defined by their ability to get back up and keep going. The righteous stumble, they fall, they fail, but they don't stay down. They don't give up. They don't allow their failures to defeat them. My dad says this all the time, failure is not an event, or failure is an event. It's not a person. And I believe some of you need to stop allowing fear to dictate whether or not you go all in for Christ. Some of you in this room need to stop telling yourself that you're not good enough, that you'll never be able to be used by God, that your past is too much for him to forgive, that you're just too bad for him to use. Jesus doesn't ask you to be perfect. He doesn't ask you to be holy before you go all in. He only asks if you're willing to put me first and to pick up your cross. It's time that we choose to go all in for Christ. See, the cost is simple. It's putting him first, and it's carrying your cross and following him. And I love how Jesus ends this chapter in Luke chapter 14, verse 34. It says this, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear After Jesus talks about how we need to be first, after he talks about how we need to carry our cross in order to follow him, if, that we need to count the cost to, to be his disciple, he goes on to talk about salt. He goes on to talk about how salt is good. You see, salt adds flavor to things, it preserves things, it heals things. But then he goes on to ask, but what if salt loses its saltiness? If it loses its flavor, what good is it? He says, it's pretty much of no use to me. He says, I can't put flavorless salt in the soil because it would ruin the soil. I can't even put it in the manure because it'll ruin the manure. And what Jesus is saying to the followers is we're like salt. But he's saying this, if you don't have the flavor if you don't have the saltiness, if you don't have the commitment to put him first, if you're not willing to go all in and pick up your cross and follow me, then what use do I have of you? 
Jesus is giving this example of salt losing its flavor to show how useless a half-committed Christian is. Jesus goes so far in saying that a half-hearted, uncommitted Christian, pretty much he's saying, is so worthless that you would ruin crap. Jesus is saying, if you're not even committed, you're not even worth putting on the manure. That if he put you on the manure, you would ruin it. Revelation 3.16, but since you are lukewarm, water neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. If you lose your saltiness, if you lose your commitment, if you're not willing to put Jesus first in your life, if you're not willing to pick up your cross and follow him, then Jesus says you're useless in the kingdom of God. This is not my words, guys. This is Jesus. He's saying, I have no use for you if you're one way in and one way out. I have no use if you come on Sunday, then you sin Monday through Friday, you come back Saturday at prayer. I have no use for a Christian who's not willing to go all in for me. When are we going to make a decision to go all in for Christ? When will you decide to become salty again? When will you decide to have flavor again? When will you decide to have a commitment, but a full commitment again? Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway, to, the highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway of life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Only a few ever find it. So many people, so many Christians will choose the easy road. So many of them will choose the price that costs almost nothing. So many Christians lose their flavor, but I'm here to encourage you tonight. Jesus gave it all for you. So it's time to give it all for him. You see, when Jesus was telling the crowd that you have to leave behind your father and mother, that you have to uh, pick up your cross and follow me, Jesus was saying you have to do it now. Meaning that it isn't just a one-time thing. It isn't just you say, come to the altar, you say a prayer, and then you're good for the rest of your life. No, it's, a, it's an everyday thing. It's a moment-by-moment moment surrender to God. It's killing your flesh daily. What does that look like? It's putting Jesus first. It's spending time in prayer and worship. It's spending time in his word. But not only just his word, it's obeying his word. I love the way my dad says it. It says the key to Christianity is raw obedience. It's just saying yes to Jesus. You see, the moment you say yes to Jesus, that should never stop. Every moment with Jesus requires your full commitment. It requires a price that needs to be paid. And if you aren't willing to give your all, then Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple. He says, if you're not willing to go all in, if you're not willing to pay the price, then you're not fit. Then you might as well just go home. Luke chapter 9, verse 62, but Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. What does Jesus want from you? What is the cost it takes to go all in with Christ? It's everything. Jesus wants total dedication, not half-hearted commitment. 
We can't pick and choose his commandments that we want to follow. We have to count the cost. We have to abandon everything that gives us security and satisfaction without looking back. See, there's no negotiating with Jesus. Jesus doesn't want any halfway in, halfway out Christians. You're either going all in or you're all out. It's that simple. Putting him first in your life, it's carrying your cross, submitting to Jesus. It's counting the cost or it's nothing. Jesus is either your entire life or he's nothing at all. He's either Lord of your life or he's nothing. He's either Savior of your life or he's nothing. He's either your Redeemer or he's nothing. Your Waymaker or nothing. Your Defender or nothing. Your Healer or he's nothing. He's either worthy of your life, living for him, or he's not worthy of living at all. Jesus doesn't want half Christians. He doesn't want half committed Christians in his life. He says, I have no use for you in the kingdom of God. Jesus wants your entire life. I want to ask the worship team to come up. See, I believe so many Christians want the benefits of serving Jesus, but we're not willing to pay the cost that it takes to serve him. So many of us want to wear the crown that he has to offer us, but we're not willing to pay the price for it. Some of us think that this temporary, short, blink of an eye life is more important than eternity that Jesus has to offer. So many of us can get caught up with our life, caught up with our own desires that it looks more appealing than what Jesus had to offer. But let me tell you, when you die, you're going to face eternity. When you die, you're either going to live an eternity face-to-face with Jesus or you're going to live 100% away from him. Where you go is up to you. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed. In John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Tonight, everyone in this room will face Jesus face to face. Everyone in this room is going to be judged for the way you lived. We're going to be judged for what we did with Jesus. We're going to be judged if we were all in or if we were all out. We're going to be judged if we kept our saltiness or if we lost our flavor. So I know tonight was a little hard and challenging, but let me tell you the most amazing thing about Jesus is if you haven't yet made that decision to serve him, if you haven't yet made the decision to go all in, he still gives you that opportunity. He still gives you that second chance to start new with him. You see, he gives you the shot to become salty again. I'm here to encourage you without Jesus, we're nothing. Without him, we're lost. Without him, we're worthless. But with Jesus, we're made new. With Jesus, we're redeemed. With Jesus, we're forgiven. 1 John 1 9, it says, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Tonight, I want to encourage you, those that are in this room, don't leave this building without getting right with Jesus. Don't allow yourself to walk away from the opportunity of being forgiven. 
Don't allow yourself to walk away from the opportunity of becoming one with Jesus in the end. Don't walk away from the opportunity of meeting him and accepting him into your heart. You see, for years I allowed fear to run my life. For years I was halfway in, halfway out until I met Jesus and he changed my life. Until I made a decision to go all in for him and I never looked back. Tonight, Jesus can do the same in your life. Jesus is willing to forgive you. Jesus is willing to love you. He's willing to accept you into the kingdom of God, but it's up to you. You decide whether or not you want to meet Jesus. You decide whether or not you want to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. You see, I love Jesus because it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what we've said in the, in the past. It doesn't matter what we did today. Jesus is willing to forgive you. Jesus is willing to love you. He's willing to bring you a part of his family. Tonight, if you're in this room and maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, you know what, Jacob, I haven't been living for him. Jacob, I've been living for myself. I've been living in my fear. I've been living in my sin, but tonight I want to make a change. You're saying, Jacob, I want to accept Jesus in my life. I want that freedom. I want that salvation that you're talking about. I want to be in eternity with Jesus in the end. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Everyone in this room, I see that hand. Thank you. See, I believe Jesus is speaking to every one of you here. Don't leave this room without making it right. Don't leave this room without asking the Lord to forgive you of your sins. If you're sitting down and you're saying, Jacob, I haven't been living right, but I want to ask the Lord to come in my life. And I need him to forgive me of my sins because I'm jacked up. I read the scripture earlier. It says we're, we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. There's no one that's righteous, not even one. We're all sinners. We've all failed once or twice or multiple times in our lives. No one is, is subject from this. We all need to make a decision in our lives whether or not we're going to go all in with Christ or not. So again, I'm going to ask you if you want to accept Jesus in your life and you want to go all in with him, I want you to just raise your hand if you haven't already. I see that hand. Anyone else that wants to accept Jesus in your life, I see those hands. You're saying, Jacob, I'm a sinner. If I died right now, I would go to hell. I see that hand. That's the indication of whether or not you need to raise your hand. If you were to die right now, where would you go? Would you be face to face with Jesus? Would you say, okay, you are all in for me? And would you be accepted into him, into his heart, into his kingdom, into heaven? Or is Jesus going to tell you, depart from me because I never knew you? Is Jesus going to say, well, you were never all in with me? You were halfway and you were halfway out. I have no use for you. 
Tonight, if you haven't already raised your hand, but you want to accept Jesus in your life, why don't you just raise your hand if you haven't already? I see those hands. One last call if you want to get in on this prayer. Raise your hand. Okay, I see those hands. Thank you. Why don't we all stand? Tonight, for those of you that raise your hand, I know we had a, a good amount in the back. I know we had some over here. If you raise your hand and you're serious about going all in, you're serious about accepting Jesus into your life, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. If you raise your hand, why don't you just come and meet me at this altar? I know it's a little bit hard to come out of your seat and you got everyone watching, but we're going to celebrate you. can make room when you saw people coming. You see, serving Jesus isn't just a casual thing we do. Ser serving Jesus isn't just having him a part of our life. Jesus is our life. And the greatest thing about this is this is the best decision you can make for your life. I can tell you firsthand that sin isn't worth it. Sin is satisfying for a time, but just like committing to Jesus, if you commit to sin, that has a cost. So tonight, Jesus is willing to forgive you. He's willing to accept you into his kingdom. He's willing to accept you into his family. But we first have to ask Jesus for forgiveness. We first have to confess our sins and ask him for forgiveness. But I love that it says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So tonight we're going to say a prayer. And this prayer doesn't save you. It's the attitude of your heart. And I'm going to have you repeat after me and I don't want you saying it to me because I can't save you. I can't forgive you of your sins. There's only one person that can, and that's Jesus. So I'm going to ask that you repeat after me, but I need you to mean it to Jesus. I need you to say it as if you're talking face-to-face -face with Jesus right now. Let me have every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to say this prayer, and I want you to repeat after me. Say, Jesus... I believe that you died and rose again. I ask you, Lord, to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I ask you, Lord, to change my life that from this day forward, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we just pray for them right now? Father, we pray, Lord.
Lord, as they make a decision to go all in with you, Father, we pray that you'd give them the strength. God, we pray that you'd give them the guidance, Father. No more halfway in, no more halfway out, Jesus. We pray, Lord, full commitment with you, God. Full commitment. For those of you in the crowd, if you wanna make a decision to go all in with Christ, maybe you've had some things on the side that's, that's cost you to go halfway in, halfway out. Maybe there's certain things in your life that you need to remove. Maybe you need to just go all in for Christ. If you wanna make a decision to do that, these altars are open. If you wanna go all in with Christ, I want you to come to the altar right now. There's no better time to go all in with Christ than now. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised even leaving this building. The cost to go all in, all in is now. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.